0: Luke 18, verse 9 to 14, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves, will be exalted.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Jared. I'm the pastor here at HWC. It's great to have you with us. Uh, what a joyful day it is. Uh, baptisms, people coming into membership. Uh, it's a real joy and a privilege uh, to get to share this day together. Will you join me as we pray? Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you. You are the glorious God who, who loves us, and who sent your only son, the Lord Jesus, to come to this earth, um, as we've just sung about, uh, how you, Lord Jesus, humbled yourself and you went to the cross for us. We thank you for that. And we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us um, and working in us that we might understand what it is that you're saying to us in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and almighty name. Amen. Uh, so, if you've got a Bible, please keep it open to Luke 18 verses 9 to 14. Otherwise, I'm sure the verses will come up on the screen. Or if you if you don't have a Bible but you've got a phone, you know you can download an app <laughs> to to read it, um, or go to BibleGateway.com, Luke chapter 18 verses 9 to 14. Is anyone familiar with the compare the pair adverts? Yeah. Okay. Good. By judging by the hum of laughter and things, I think I, people know. Um, so, they're the ones where we have this comparison between two people and their superannuation. So, two blokes, let's call them Bill and Dave, uh, they start out similar and they're compared side by side. And the premise is that these two guys are the same age, uh, they earn the same income, and they start with the same amount of money and, and they, they, they're, they're trying to make a decision as to what superannuation provider they go with. And depending what decision they make, uh, this has a, a massive makes a massive difference over a considerable period of time. Over that time, let's say one of the guys, Bill, makes a lot more money than Dave. So that decision he made way back at the beginning uh, makes a big difference over time. And the advert that we watch invites us to compare these two guys and, um, and go, well, what, what do you, which one would you rather be? <laughs> well, today we're going to be looking at a parable, uh, a story that Jesus tells to, that invites us to compare the bear. Uh, not compare the bear, sorry. <laughs> my, <laughs> my throat cracked a little bit there. <laughs> I need to have a sip of water. <laughs> yeah, we're not looking at grizzlies or brown bears. No, we're, um, we're looking at a pair of people. And so Jesus invites us to compare two guys, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And this, this has nothing to do with superannuation, so forget that part. Um, but it does have everything to do with the future. Uh, so when I say it's about the future, I mean it's about forever. Uh, where uh, Where these two men end up could not be... More different. Uh, The difference between these two men could not be greater. And the story that Jesus tells is about their and our eternal destiny. It's about where we spend forever after we die. Uh, Before we get stuck into comparing the pair, it's worth noting that Luke has helpfully recorded the target audience of Jesus' story. Jesus tells this story to a specific group of people. Who was it that Jesus told this story to? Well, I'm glad you asked. Have a look with me in verse nine. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with with contempt. So the kinds of people Jesus is addressing here have two characteristics, and they're not good characteristics. Uh, The first one is that they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That is to say they looked at their works and they thought, yes, because I do good things, I'm a good person, I must be right before God. That's the first one, because I do good things, I'm a good person, I must be right before God. And the second one is related to that. They treated other people with contempt. That is to say, they despised or looked down on others, seeing them as worthless or as nothing. Uh, To treat others with contempt is to reject them, uh, to treat them with disdain. Though it's story time, Jesus is telling a a story with spiritual significance, and the target audience, as Luke tells us, is those who puff themselves up and look down on others. Those whose attitude in life is, I'm better than everyone else. And what story does Jesus tell these people? What story does he tell these people who trust in themselves that they're righteous and look down on others? Well, he tells them about two men. And just like compare the pair, the two men at the beginning first seem similar. They're both going to the temple to pray. But that's where the similarities end. Have a look with me in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So there's two guys who are going to the temple to pray to God. And Jesus tells us that one of them is a Pharisee and the other is a tax collector. So, so while they were both going to do the same thing, you know, going to the temple to pray, uh, they were two very different guys from very different backgrounds. Who were the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees were the religious elite of the day. They were recognized by many as upstanding citizens who observed the law to a T. And for those of us in church who are familiar with Jesus' many run-ins with the Pharisees, uh, we may be inclined to instantly think Pharisees, bad guys. But the people of the day didn't see them that way. Back then, Pharisees were the well-to-do, highly respected folks. They were the ones in positions of power, authority, and influence. So we've got one guy who's highly regarded by his peers and who's the other fella? A tax collector. Now these guys were viewed as sellouts. Uh, Many of them were sellouts. People who compromised their integrity for personal gain. They were known for being dodgy, corrupt, cheating people, even cheating their own people and aiding the rulers of the day by gathering people's money. And often they would take more than what was required and pocket the difference. Now the Jews especially hated the tax collectors because not only were they sellouts, they were sellouts to Rome. They were working for the oppressors, they were traitors. So we've got these two guys, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, one a well-respected law-abiding citizen and a dodgy corrupt traitor. And these two guys are going to the temple to pray. And let's have a look at how they pray. The Pharisee, standing by himself, started to thank God. That's a good start to prayer, right? Well, not so fast. What is he thanking God for? Let's see in verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The Pharisee thanks God for what? For himself the Pharisee the Pharisee says to God thanks God that I'm so great uh, that I'm different from other people that I'm special that I'm not like the wicked people uh, the crooks evil people people who have affairs or even like that guy over there the tax collector thank you God that I fast twice a week that I'm so generous that I strictly give 10% of everything I have to you thanks God that I'm good thanks God that I'm righteous in your sight by my own merit Thanks, God, that I'm a good person. Thanks, God, that I'm not like those other people who get caught up in evil. And it's worth mentioning that it appears some of those things that he was saying could be outwardly true. Um, perhaps he, he, he really did give 10% of everything and fast twice a week. They would have followed the morals of, of the law outwardly. Uh, so outwardly, they would have looked different to the tax collector. Um, fasting twice a week and giving tithes of everything even goes above and beyond the requirements of the law. The Pharisee goes to the temple to pray, but the prayer is really all about himself. The Pharisee is fixated on his own righteousness, and not only that, but also the failings of others. He's convinced that he's a good and righteous person. Can you remember what we read in verse 9 just a moment ago? Remember who Jesus is talking to? Jesus is talking to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and who looked down on others. Those who think I'm better... Than everyone else. And the audacity of what the Pharisee is saying here is striking, isn't it? Here he is, waltzed up to the temple to pray, and thanking God for himself. Thanking God that he is better than other people. Thanking God by elevating himself and humiliating others. Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase God's gift to humanity, where um someone has an elevated view of themselves and they think they're really special and then they, they say, I'm God's gift to you. Well, they probably don't say it, but they think it. <laughs> if they, yeah, the Pharisee would have said it. Um, the Pharisee here, he sees himself as humanity's gift to God. He's that self-righteous. He, he looks at his life and he confidently believes that he's good. And not only good in his own eyes, not only good in the eyes of the people around him, but good in God's sight. He's convinced he's good in God's sight, in his own right, and that he's better than all the sinners, a category he doesn't see himself as part of. And to take this approach is horribly offensive to God. He fails to acknowledge his sin. Uh, The Pharisee of May looked good on the outside, but in his heart he was dead. Outwardly looking okay, but inwardly wasting away plagued by the same sin he self-righteously observed in others. And there's no hiding this from God before the holy, blazingly pure God. We're all sinners, Pharisees included. Uh, The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But this Pharisee didn't see himself that way. He saw himself as different, better than the rest of us. Isn't that such an arrogant position to take? Doesn't it aggravate you? to think that he thinks he's better than the rest of us? It's such an arrogant position. And can you see how outrageous it is for him to say these things? When we think of how offensive that is to us, it's hard to imagine how offensive that is to God. The Pharisee says to God, I have no need of saving. I have no need of a savior. The work of Christ is worthless to me. Jesus died in vain. I'm righteous, I'm good. Look at the evidence, see my righteousness, give me what I deserve. And in his arrogant pride, he calls upon God to look upon his life as an example of excellence and to be given what he deserves. It's the most terrible of postures to take before God's throne, self-exaltation and pride. How does the tax collector pray? Have a look with me at verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, for one thing, he he, he stands far off. He doesn't come near. He's gone to the temple, but he's not presuming a high position for himself. He stays on the outskirts. He takes the lowly position. And when it comes time to pray, Jesus says that he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. Unlike the custom of the day, the tax collector kept his head down. The weight of his sin kept his gaze from lifting towards heaven. Here is a man who knows his position. A man who knows his sin. Here's a man who's cheated others, lied to widows and orphans, betrayed his own people, and ultimately rebelled against the very God he now comes to talk to. And he beats his breast, and he keeps on beating it. Uh, To paraphrase Charles Spurgeon, his heart struck him. And so he struck his heart. Beating his breast was a sign of his sorrow. He recognizes the weight of his sin. It's as though his sin is literally weighing him down. He can't look up. He can't bear to look to heaven where God is because he knows that before God, he stands condemned. In the face of the severity of his sin, uh, he, he is overcome with remorse. And what does he pray? It's of the most beautiful of prayers. It's a simple prayer, the most beautiful of prayers. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's a cry for mercy. It's a confession of sin. It's a plea for God to not give him what he deserves. It's a plea for God to give him mercy. It's a plea for God to make him right as a pure gift. He comes confessing that he's an evildoer, a traitor against God. And he's asking God not to give him what he deserves, but to show him mercy. And that's a beautiful posture before the throne of God. Humility, the exact opposite of the Pharisee. So who goes home justified? Now, justified is a technical term that means right with God. That's what justified means. Uh, Who goes home justified? Who goes home right with God? Is it the well-to-do, highly regarded Pharisee who does all of these amazing things, looks outwardly righteous, or is it the dodgy, corrupt, sell-out, traitor, tax collector? Talking of the tax collector, Jesus says this in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. With this awesome proclamation of God's mercy, Jesus turns our world right side up. It's not the Pharisee who proudly parades his righteousness um, who ends up right with God. It's the messed up traitor of a tax collector who knew he was a sinner, knew he needed saving, and cried out to God for mercy. Notice that they both get what they asked for. The Pharisee asks God to look at his life and give him what he deserves. And where does it lead? God grants what he asks for. The wages of sin is death. Rebelling against God deserves judgment. The Pharisee asks for what he deserves and he gets it. Judgment. Do you see that in the text? Unlike the tax collector in verse 14, he is not justified. Not right with God. And in contrast, the tax collector asks God to give him mercy instead of what he deserves. And God grants his request and gives him mercy. See, this man went down to his house justified. Then and there, God made him right in his sight by his mercy. One of my friends used to wear a shirt around uni saying, good people don't go to heaven. It's a good good conversation starter. The rest of the shirt said, forgiven sinners do. And how true is that? That we are only able to be right with God as a free gift. We could never make ourselves right with him. Uh, We've wronged him and we can't make up for that. We're under a sentence of death. We're all sinful, all in the same boat there. So it's the forgiven sinners who are right with God, not those who trust in themselves that they're righteous. Don't miss how radical this is. The Pharisee, the highly regarded law-abiding citizen who does all of these things, he isn't justified. And the tax collector goes home right with God? What? Really? That guy, the crook who defrauded everyone? He goes home right with God. But how can God just let the tax collector off? That would be unjust and unfair. And God is a just God. Does all of the cheating and lying the tax collector committed go unpunished? No. Surely it's unfair to let the tax collector go free. So how can he go free? The reason the tax collector can go home justified, can go home saved from his sin is that the Savior has come. The one telling the story, Jesus. He, he is the reason the tax collector and all of us who cry out to God for mercy can be saved. God is a just God and he will not leave sin unpunished. And so it was necessary that Jesus go to the cross. That Jesus, the perfect God-man, bore the punishment for sin for all who are his God will judge the world in righteousness and fairness. And apart from Jesus, every human is guilty of sin. The Pharisee could lie to other people. He could lie to himself. And he even tried lying to God. But God sees through his pride. He sees into his heart. And he sees into our hearts too. And we might be able to make ourselves look relatively okay on the outside by not killing others, not stealing, not committing adultery. But those are the outward manifestations of what begins in our hearts. The reality of the situation is that the Pharisee and the tax collector were cut from the same cloth, and we're cut from that same cloth too. We're all sinners. There's no getting around that fact. It starts in our hearts. We look around at the world and we see hatred, death, anger, war, corruption, and selfishness. But the problem out there is also the problem in here. And if we consider that the God who made everything, he is pure and righteous, perfect in every way, we realize that we don't match his perfection. If we look at the Ten Commandments, God's moral law in the Old Testament, and how Jesus applies it in the New Testament, it becomes apparent very quickly that we are part of the problem. Consider my life, and then I invite you to consider yours. Have we ever told a lie? Yes, more than I can count. Have we ever hated someone in our hearts? Yes, I felt anger within me burn against someone else. Have we ever looked lustfully at another person? Yes. Ever stolen something? Yes. Um, And so held up to the light of God's law, I'm a rotten sinner, lying, murdering, adulterant thief that I am, that we all are, the stuff that begins in our hearts. And because of our sin, we deserve condemnation. We deserve to be sent to hell Uh, for rebelling against the almighty God. Uh, You might say that seems excessive, eternal punishment and torment for committing small sins. And in response, I would say that no sin is small. Sin is betrayal of one another, yes, but ultimately of the almighty God. It's to be a traitor, to try to overthrow the almighty king of the universe and grasp at his throne for ourselves. It's to commit treason of the highest order against the almighty creator and ruler of the universe. And it's so evil that it's entirely just and fair for God to judge us guilty and send us to hell. The God who gave us the gift of life is completely entitled to take it away. The wonder is not that people go to hell, but that some people don't. For judgment is what we all deserve. In the face of our sin, our evil, we have a choice before us. Are we going to respond like the Pharisee, parading the things that we've done and asking to get what we deserve? The end of that is getting what we deserve in hell. Or are we going to respond like the tax collector and cry, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If we do that, we get what we don't deserve, mercy. Justification, being right in God's sight. Because in Jesus, God took the judgment we deserved upon himself on a cross, on a hill outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. The choice is before us now. Trust in our own righteousness, which is no righteousness at all, and get what we deserve, condemnation in hell. Or trust in Jesus for mercy, that he's taken what we deserve on, on himself on the cross and in doing so receive salvation and spend forever with him in the new creation. This is the most important decision that we will ever make. Deciding where to live, whether to marry, if so, whom, what car to drive, what house to buy, where to work and so on, all decisions that we make. But none is of the magnitude of this. Our response to Jesus is the most significant decision we will ever make because it decides where we spend forever whether we'll be forever under God's judgment and condemnation and in torment for all eternity or spending forever seeing Jesus face to face and enjoying all of the glory, all of the beauty, all of the radiance of God and his saving grace and savoring every blessed moment. This is life and death, but even more than life and death, this is eternal life or eternal death getting what we deserve, judgment, or getting what we don't deserve, justification, being made right with God. And the choice is before us now. Uh, To bring this to bear on today, it's possible whether you've been in church for many years or maybe this is your first time to have not yet grasped God's mercy. To have thought that Christianity is a religion all about doing some good things and that means you get to go to heaven when you die. That couldn't be further from the truth. All man made religion says, do some good things and you go to heaven when you die. Christianity, Jesus says the path to justification, to salvation, to eternal life, being right with God, is through the Saviour Jesus showing us mercy. That's the only way. Jesus saving us, rescuing us from our sin. The world says, do. Jesus says, done. On the cross, he said, it is finished. Because of Jesus' death for us, we can be right with God. To use the language Jesus uses in this passage, we have a choice. Humble ourselves or exalt ourselves. Exalting ourselves is what the Pharisee did, and it's what we all do by nature. We think, I've done good things. I haven't done bad things. I'm an all right person, and therefore God should accept me. God would judge me as righteous, and I don't need saving. Have we, as we've seen, this path leads to not being justified, to being wrong, not, not being right with God, out of right relationship with Him. And that means judgment. Friends, let's not go there. What's the other option? Humbling ourselves as the tax collector did. Now, this doesn't come to us naturally. Uh, to say I'm a sinner, I've wronged God, I've wronged others, and I deserve God's judgment in hell. I'm a sinner and I need rescuing. Jesus, save me. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. As Jesus teaches, all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who beg for mercy from Jesus now will be rescued and exalted in glory forever in heaven. Maybe maybe you've been sitting here this morning and, and you haven't seen the weight of your sin before. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, I've been thinking I'm a good person. I'm doing all right, not not the worst person in the world. And so God must be happy with me because of that. If that's you, then I implore you this morning, come to God and ask him for his mercy. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in Jesus. Be like the tax collector. Eternity is at stake. Cry out to Jesus to save you because he's already died the death you deserve in your place. Although this doesn't make life easier now, forever with Jesus is so much greater than all the trials we could ever possibly endure in this life. If that's you, I ask you to pray with me in a minute, and also please come and talk to me afterwards. I'll be around, as will the others you've seen around, Um, and I'd love to get to talk to you more about the Lord Jesus and salvation in him, asking him for mercy. We need to be ready now, ask him for mercy while there's still time. Maybe some of us know this, maybe many of us know this, even know this story well. But as we've walked the Christian walk, perhaps we've lost sight of God's mercy and started to exalt ourselves. Perhaps we've drifted into thinking like a Pharisee. God, I thank you that I'm not like those outside of church. The morally corrupt people at my workplace, the kids at my school, my non-Christian friends at uni... My neighbours who drink too much. I tithe and even give a bit more than a tithe. I do my quiet time every day. I read the Bible and I pray all the time. God, I thank you that I'm good. This shift in our thinking can be so subtle, but we all need to see it for what it is. Sinful pride. Puffing ourselves up and looking down on others is so antithetical to the Christian faith. It's the opposite of Christianity. We're all in the sin- we're all sinners all in the same boat there, all deserving of God's judgment. And we all desperately need God to have mercy on us and make us right in Jesus. So let's come to him now in prayer. God, be merciful to us sinners. In Jesus' name, amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling